warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. Today, we are exploring personal social health and emotional education with the legend of the founding of Rome. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Hi, my name's Rob, and I'm a Key Stage 2 teacher currently working in Year 4, and I've had the chance and the opportunity to work in Key Stage 1 and Foundation as well. And we're both very pleased to have you, our listener, with us in our virtual school staff room. So, for all the fun and effectiveness of story-led learning, let's don our finest cloaks, sprinkle some fairy dust, and hang tight to our magic carpet as we dive into this week's story. Before the Roman Empire was the Roman Republic. And before the Roman Republic, well, there was no Rome. Instead, there were seven hills where shepherds watched their flocks, or rather, hid from a rather large wolf named Lupa. I stole three of the shepherd's sheep every night, except for the nights when I stole four. Soon, he didn't have any sheep left, which was annoying because I started to get hungry. I think Faustulus began to get hungry too, because I later saw him practicing how to throw a spear at a painting of a wolf on the side of his barn. But that was the same day my life changed. I left the fields and began prowling along the river Tiber, wondering if I could teach myself to fish, when I heard a sound that warmed my heart. Yes, it wasn't really a pleasant sound. I didn't know why it warmed my heart when my ears were telling me to get as far away from it as possible. Curious, I followed the sounds to a patch of long grass. And there, in a basket, were two baby human boys who looked exactly the same as each other. And if you and your young learners want to discover how those baby twins grow up under the watchful eye of Looper the Wolf, you can download our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Romulus and Remus. There you can stream a video of me telling the story, get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the dazzlingly distinguishable Dave Hingley, and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's begin our discussion here by asking Rob, did this story have you howling with delight? It definitely did. I uh, enjoy history a lot myself, learning it myself. Mm-hmm. And the the Romans was one of my favourite areas. So to see and read the story from, from the wolf's viewpoint, which I've not had before, was fantastic. I thought it covered all of the all of the aspects of the traditional tale and it gave it a new spin as well Hmm. it was uh, a little bit sneaky of me really because well you know the story you know that there are loads of different variations of this story (laughs) even from the the time that it's supposed to have originated from and one of the great things about telling it from Looper's point of view is that well she 
physically can't be in there in all of the actions. So it does allow you to leave a lot of the the actual action open to interpretation. So you can go in and you can explore the different ways that Remus may have got caught or the different ways that um, Remus may have been killed by Romulus or Romulus's friends or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. that element of distance allows you to have the kind of reliable but distant narrator. And it allows you to look at the actions and the consequences of those actions as well as, yes. you, as you go through the story. So that's an effective way of doing it. I really enjoyed it. Well, that's the thing that kind of created the stop and think theme for me, actually, because the whole theme of the story really is kind of like the whole arc of the Roman Republic, really, isn't it? You know, you have people coming together and then going their separate ways and that leads to their downfall. And you see that mirrored then again in the Roman Empire. But the whole idea of people coming together, uh, maybe the people who you wouldn't expect, maybe the fact that they are doing this when their impulse might be to do something completely different. That is actually right there at the beginning of the legend in the character of Looper, because by her nature, if she were to, you know, if any wolf were to find a couple of screaming twins, yeah. I imagine their first thought would be, oh, lunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, so to have that moment where she actually stops and thinks, well, oh, hang on a minute, is there something else that I should be doing here? Mm. Um, again, it becomes a, a lovely recurring theme. And. I'm not sure if you can see my notes, but I've got the word impulses written down here. So I, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're on the same wavelength. Oh, excellent. So how would you explore the theme with uh, the younger lot, the, the ages four to seven? Because I imagine these are quite some tricky themes for that kind of age range. Some of them are. I think that all children have arguments. I know all children have arguments. So uh, you can relate what happens in the story, stopping and thinking to kind of the the aftermath of an argument or stopping the argument before it happens mm. controlling your impulses what happens if i do take the red pencil that somebody else wants to use next and things like that so it's really relatable for in the classroom keeping the management side of it under control i think that would be a really good way of looking at stop and think and that goes across the key stages because mm. you're going to have arguments of different natures in the older children but you can always say right okay just have stop and think about what might happen if you continue or what could have happened if you'd have said something else so it builds like a resilience in the children as well as and like an independence to help them solve their own problems which yeah. ideally is what we're striving for so how would you link to that then from the story have you got any ideas of how you would actually directly use this story to build up that resilience that ability to stop and think with the younger children i would pause the story mm -hmm. at the elements where the stop and thinks stop and thinks stop and thinks happen <laughs> yes <laughs> the stops and thoughts there, there we go stops and thoughts yeah <laughs> and then say okay what would you do what would be your first thought what would be your your impulses and then discuss it that way. Mm. And then I would step out of the story almost and say, okay, let's imagine that, and then set a scenario up for the children where there's going to be a, a flashpoint. Stop and think, what could you do differently? How could you make sure that it doesn't turn into a flashpoint? Mm. And again, I think that whole idea 
could be adapted to any age group within the primary setting, probably some in secondary settings as well. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I just love about storytelling in educational settings is that children find it so easy to get very close to the characters and they do remember them for, well, for practically forever afterwards. I've gone into a school two years after a visit and the children can still remember all of the details of the stories I told them two years ago, sometimes even four years ago, if, you know, it's a, a, a twice yearly thing or yeah biannually thing so you know would there be an opportunity there to do something like a if if you have a situation that arises later on after the storytelling maybe even several weeks after um being able to say to the children what do you think Lupo would do in this situation or what do you think Romulus and Remus would do in this situation could do you think you could bring it back in those Definitely. sorts of ways yeah yeah i think Again, as you said, through the power of storytelling and the way that I, not just children get engaged in the stories, I, I get engaged in the books that I read as well. Mm. I'm like, oh, I really feel for those characters. Yeah. And once the children are familiar with the characters and what you've done, it would be really easy to bring it back and say, okay, just stop and think about how Lupo, like you said, how Lupo would do it or how Romulus and Remus could have acted or would have acted. Mm. Yeah, just through the power of the story and the characters. And because it is relatable to them as well, because, Mm -hmm. as you said, everybody has disagreements and arguments, so you can always build. It's not an abstract idea, almost. Yeah. Beyond the stopping and the thinking, or the stops and thoughts, (laughs) um, did you find anything else in here for um, ages four to seven? Four to seven, yes. Thinking about who is in your family, because Mm. a, a wolf bringing up two children is not generally the way things are done yeah not terribly (laughs) usual (laughs) so especially if you did this towards well at any time but towards the start of the year who do you live with who would be in your cave talk about Mm. your families and how not everybody's families might be the same and how it's okay it's acceptable to have more brothers or sisters or to have parents of the same sex and things like that it's Mm -hmm. a good way to get the children to look beyond just their own families and look at other families within their environment, but around the world as well. Yeah, and the way that family can be as much about how you feel with people as it can be, you know, the um, the biological circumstances. I mean, a, a fantastic and very direct similarity can be drawn between this story and The Jungle Book, can't Absolutely. there? Absolutely, um, yeah. Because obviously, again, you've got a child um, brought up by wolves, but then he feels that he's got a bit of a family going with Bagheera, a bit of a family going with Baloo, and then the whole way through they're trying to get him back to his own biological i suppose yeah, kind yeah. of his own family of or his own species so yeah lo- lots of ways you can explore the the concept of belonging how about as we go up into the older years then 7 to 11 again i think you could explore that theme with them as well mm-hmm. but you could have more of a, an in-depth conversation especially with upper key stage two year five and six mm. uh, about the way that families again it's that sense of belonging and if you are adopted for example or if you're a foster child does that mean that you have less of a family or is it the same and just bring in more serious ideas necessarily or more in-depth focus on the facts that not all families are a mum and a dad and children there might be families that are separated Mm -hmm. and it's 
through the story, it's quite a safe way to explore the idea that not all families are exactly the same. And you could use the characters to to be the voice almost rather than saying, oh, what, tell me about your family. And I think that what they look like, if you have a family with mixed race, is that any different? How are you treated if you've got different kinds of parents? about how different kinds of families could in society and I guess I didn't mention wealth but we could talk about wealth and privilege and then uh, if you've got more money does that mean you're a more important person mm, yeah it's a whole a whole other <laughs> it is but th- that's uh, a very interesting topic to explore when you're talking about the Romans of course because um, on the one hand they were very progressive because they introduced things like sanitation and well democracy in the republic version of the roman history um but it was still very much seen that those who were the wealthy were the ones who should be in charge it was kind of their right wasn't it uh, definitely i think that in the story at the end it talks about how try to make life better for the people who live in their empire so they kind of were thinking about everyone but like you said those who had had the power um mm. so it would be it would be interesting uh with key stage two to relate that to politics and society today does the amount mm. of money you have give you more of a say as to what goes on or is it as we have in this country is it more democratic and everybody gets a vote and how does that affect what people choose and believe in who decides who's in power and how do they decide and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Romans is like a key stage two topic. You could talk about the Senate, but then you could talk about the fact that further down the like Roman democratic steps, they had tribunes and peoples elected voices that would speak in the Senate. So it would, it kind of, they did have a voice, but not as powerful a voice mm. unless those tribunes held the sway of the public because then you've got not only you as a democratic figure, but you've got the the backing of the millions of people who lived in Rome as well at the same time. Absolutely. That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, please let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can enjoy effective and lifelong learning. Tomorrow, Romulus and Remus will help us teach English. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! Cheerio. And And we we hope hope to hear your your story story soon. soon.